Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek's podcast number 281. And joining us today at MotorWeek Central, Greg Carlos, Jessica Ray, and Stephanie Hart. And Stephanie, we're going to start with you because you're fresh back from the uh, press preview of the 2023 all-new Honda HRV, their smallest utility. And it's all new, and take it from there. Yeah, it's all new redesigns. Um, it, it's offered in three trim levels, the LX, the Sport, and the EXL grades. Um, the Sport one has a different looking grille. It has a black spoiler and 18 inch wheels. Looks really good. Um, all trims have LED headlights and brake lights that really elevate its style. I personally love how this crossover looks. So this is there, it used to be there subcompact. I, I, has it grown any? Yeah, it is longer and wider this time around. Um, when I was in it, I felt like the cabin was very roomy, a lot of headroom. Mm. Um, also great visibility on this car. What's the power? 158 horsepower, 138 pound-feet of torque. So nothing nothing outrageous, but you didn't feel like it needed any more? Um, in my opinion, I did feel like it um, needed a little bit more. Um, it is Horsepower is up from the last generation. However, I did put it in sport mode, and I really liked the feeling of the car in sport mode. So it probably adjusted the throttle to snuff. What about the, the, the feeling of the cabin? I mean, Hondas always have a very open feeling, but sometimes they do some weird things with the instrument panel. Was there anything there that you had a hard time getting used to? Well, the good thing about this crossover is um, there's a lot of Civic vibes in it. Okay. Um, so it's very simple, the cabin, this time around, um, modeled after the 2022 Civic. Mm -hmm. um, so it was great. A lot of knobs, easy to use. We like knobs. Yeah, they're, they're slowly but surely making a return. Uh, did you have a chance to either sit in the back seat or look at the cargo bay or any opinions on whether it looked like it would do the duty? Um, yeah, I sat in the back seat. It was very comfortable. I thought uh, the driver's seat was really comfortable as well. Uh, the largest cargo area in its class, mm -hmm. which was nice. Um, so, yeah. So, you did some minor off-roading? Unfortunately, I didn't. Okay. Um, I wish that Honda did put an off-roading portion into our first uh, drive event. Were you mostly in a city? Or but um, I did go up a mountain, but it wasn't really... Um, it wasn't off-roading. Yeah, I wouldn't consider but, that but, off-roading. I would say it's interesting because yeah. it, uh, one of the new new drive modes is a snow mode yeah. for the first time, I think, on the HRV. And, um, of course, it's June, so no snow, but... Um, <sighs> It would have been kind of cool to test that out. Maybe. I mean, yeah. they, they, maybe, their maybe systems, by the time we get it in. Their systems are very capable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So any other impressions you came back with? Well, it does drive on the same platform as the 11th generation Civic. Mm -hmm. also, Which we know has been very competent. The, you know, the engine is the same. Um, I really liked the um, hill descent control feature. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a similar feature on a lot of luxury SUVs that are much more expensive. So this is standard. I thought that was standard. great. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is. A really it's, nice yeah. value. Very interesting feature to have standard on such a little <laughs> did you, car. Did you use it? 
Um, I didn't because again, it's meant more on off-roading, yeah. so that wasn't built into the program. But I hopefully I uh, can use it. But, so um, in theory, it could be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, generally speaking, they've you know Hondas have always been, and this goes back a long time. They've always everyone looks at them and say, "Oh, it's a Honda. It's not really a real off-road vehicle." And then they basically start doing you know rocks and mud. I'm not talking serious mm -hmm. stuff, but enough to get to a campsite or a cabin, and they just do really, really well. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to think this won't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great value to even have that built into this. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really incredible, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, all you do is push a button, select a speed between two and twelve miles per hour, and the vehicle maintains that set speed for you. You. All you have to do is concentrate on steering down the mountain or steep hill. And this is great for anxious drivers who mm -hmm. are scared to go down a right. mountain uh, that is snowy. So I think this is this is really great. So it's downhill cruise control. Mm -hmm. So anything you didn't like or would have liked to have seen changed? Um, as I mentioned, I would like to see some more horsepower in okay. this vehicle. Um, I did ask a Honda executive why it didn't have more horsepower, and he just said, you know, everything's a trade-off. So, <laughs> well, that's dancing life, around the question, isn't in it? In life, if you right? Ask PR, yeah. like, what do you mean? That's plenty of horsepower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, we're going to move on now to uh, a horse of a different color, the 2022 Nissan Aria. And Jessica, Nissan's first all-electric SUV. We've been hearing about it for at least two years. Mm -hmm. It's here now. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, um, so it's, I think I would say that this sort of, it's meant to be a little bit more of an upscale EV, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say it kind of fits somewhere in between Nissan and Infiniti. Uh, huh, specifically in the inside, maybe a little bit more toward infinity, but definitely like it's nicer than most Nissans. Um, so it's sort of like inching toward infinity. Um, exterior wise, if you haven't seen the Aria, I hate to say it to, to say it this way, but this might be the best way to describe it. It kind of looks like a futuristic version of the Rogue Sport. Oh, okay. Um, that's 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 reasonable. Which I you think. know, that's an, another Nissan model. But uh, yeah, imagine a futuristic version of the Rogue Sport. It kind of has that similar like silhouette. Well, to it, it does look like a, a concept vehicle. Yes, yeah. a little bit because yeah. it's very smooth. Um, pretty. Uh, I hate using the word jelly bean, but a little. It's just it has that very smooth like. I don't want to say flat either. Aerodynamic. Aerodynamic. Yeah. I was trying to avoid that word, yeah. but aerodynamic is the word to use. Um, so I and the reason I said Rogue Sport was because I was in my neighborhood going for a walk one day shortly after I drove the Aria, and I passed a Rogue Sport passed by me, and I thought, oh my gosh, that looks very similar. Well, it probably came the same out of the same design studio. Yeah, very similar yeah. design. Anyway, what's some of the stats? Yeah, let's move on to some of the more interesting stuff, right? So it comes in two different versions. There's a front-wheel drive version, and there's also an all-wheel drive version. There's a lot of trim levels and stuff. Um, so right now, all we have is like EPA estimated ranges, which actually, they say EPA estimated range, but these aren't cleared quite yet with the mm -hmm. EPA. It's not on fueleconomy.gov. Uh, um, but they're saying that their most long, their longest range can get up to 304 miles. 
but their shortest range on a smaller battery pack, which is a 63 kilowatt hour battery pack, can get 216 miles. So we're talking the base, base Aria, front wheel drive, range 216 miles, 214 horsepower, 221 pounds. So the 304, is that still front wheel drive? That is still front wheel drive, but you'll get uh, 238 horsepower. So it's front wheel drive into F4. A lot of the EVs that we're seeing are coming in as rear drive with two wheel drive. Right. So this is basically more traditional front wheel drive. I wonder why they did that. Well, so to me, well, I can talk a little bit more about driving it, but uh, very similar to say like the mission of like the BZ4X. Mm -hmm. This is meant Toyota. not to be the most efficient and the best EV on the market. It's meant to be a transition EV. This is meant to get somebody out of a gas vehicle, put them in an EV. Without having to change anything about how they drive exactly. as far as uh, feel and so forth. Exactly, because there's no... Uh, one pedal drive here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets close. You can adjust the regen a little bit, but there is no true one pedal drive. Um, so, you know, driving it was incredibly comfortable. I drove it in New York City, which is, I like driving. I like driving mm. EVs in cities because well, that they, kind of you had it. You had the you had the ultimate experience. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate car previews. But in New and, York City. but also, I, I like driving it in New York City because it, because this isn't a big vehicle by any means, mm. but it felt still felt like almost the size of a sedan. Mm. Hmm. It's not big, but this is a crossover, uh, you, um, and it has a decent amount of cargo space. The rear passengers have a pretty good amount of space as well. Um, so, And the interior is, like I said, I think this is inching toward infinity. And my, my one thing that I didn't like so much is that it has a fair bit of haptic controls. Explain what that is. So haptic is, um, it's not a button, but it kind of is a button at the same time. It tricks um, you into thinking it's yeah. a button. Yes, it tricks you into thinking, because it's basically a flat surface, and then you click it, and it makes a clicking noise and engages whatever you just clicked. Um, but it doesn't really move. It does not really move. The, the good thing about haptic is that it gives you feedback, so you know if you click something or not. But I thought that like all of the climate controls were haptic, and they were on like this open poor wood sort of like trim. I don't even know if it's like true open poor wood, but like I, I just wasn't the biggest. I was like, I don't know, put it on the screen. I'll just take it on. I'll take the climate controls on the screen. I don't here. like it. I mean, it's been around for a while and they keep coming back to it. And it's like, just give me something that gives me a tactile feel that something has happened. Well, I will yeah. say the, the benefit to this haptic is that it was not like piano black. So yeah, at least you, you could yeah. see it. Oh, so, yeah. so not only could I see, oh, I could see it, but your, no, you, no smudge no marks smudge everywhere. Marks. That's no, the problem. Okay. smudge marks everywhere. But basically, I mean, it had like a really big display, um, and like I think it achieves its mission. I think it's a very comfortable vehicle that a lot of buyers will like because it's like driving a normal car. What about pricing? Again, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, so I don't. I I wish I could even tell you like when it was coming out. Yeah, they but there's still like the details fall, are still maybe. TBD. Yeah, one of the things with pricing is that 
Nissan, obviously, with the LEAF, has been building electric vehicles so long, they don't have any government incentives left. Mm-hmm. And we've just seen General Motors lower the price on the Bolt EV and EUV and talking about the new Blazer at 33 yeah. So this is probably not going to be that expensive. I want to say it, this has to be at least 40 at least. But if they at are least. at that price without incentives, I'm not sure they'll be competitive with it. Well, that, so maybe have, that's why they're... Yeah, they'd have to... You'd think they're, they saw what Toyota did with the BZ, which is just over 40, you would think they're going to try to undercut yeah, even if it's just by a little bit. So yeah. they're probably going to aim for that sub 40 mark. Because Toyota, I think, does Toyota still have any incentives left? I think they do. I think, yeah, they yeah. do. They, they do. do. Yeah. They definitely so do. They've got to yeah, be competitive. Nissan doesn't. Uh, we're going to come back uh, to uh, Greg. He's going to bring us up to date on some of our long-term vehicles at the end of the uh, podcast. But we're going to switch gears now to our lightning round. And this involves um, Apple. Apple recently unveiled the next generation of Apple CarPlay, which I have to admit I use daily. The update will allow CarPlay to read more of the vehicle's data like speed, range, climate, and will allow the user interface to expand to the dash cluster on certain models. What do you think of Apple getting more real estate inside of new cars? That's a very interesting question. Yeah, I'm like you, John. I use it... uh in the car on a daily basis just because it's what they promised it would be apple that is and it's just seamless uh transition from using your phone outside of the car into the car and um, it does still get a little glitchy and that's across the Mm -hmm. board it's not just a car thing i've even put it in an uh, an aftermarket unit in my wife's car and it has the same exact glitches that it does in brand new cars so that's like an apple thing but i i um, it's confu- i use it wired for charging and then that gets confused with the bluetooth information yeah. i mean yeah it's not seamless I, i'm excited to see the execution as it moves across the whole gauge cluster because that's the idea right is that it's for um cars and trucks that have that whole long digital gauge cluster it's going to take over the whole thing um i don't have any reason to doubt apple in this i feel like they will make it look great i think it'll work uh near flawlessly um and yeah so i guess the to the short answer of that is uh i'm all for it can't wait yeah no i mean it looks really cool um and i think it, it'll be very interesting to see how it's implemented in the, the different adoption vehicles rate. well i think the adoption rate will be still pretty big uh or you know because i but that means that means car makers are giving up more and more of their control over the interior and that that one of their game plans was to use a lot of that display for advertising that they would make money off of really wow well they haven't done any of that no they haven't done it (laughs) it's been talked about but but this kind of gives that up i will say you know um you know, we drive a lot of new cars. And so I think one of my favorite executions of like um, native um, UX working well with CarPlay is like Mercedes does a phenomenal job mm-hmm. of that. And I saw that they, of course, you know, and, and they, gosh, only knows how much they spent on engineers and designers and everything on to MBUX. create this amazing, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is an amazing experience in, in the infotainment of that car. And they are like, uh, obviously, one of the big partners with Apple to move forward mm-hmm. with the second generation of um, 
or the next generation of CarPlay. So I think they've just realized that's what customers want. True. They want to be able to use their phone seamlessly in the car. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it looks cool. I hope it's just not too distracting because already we have distracted drivers and there's a lot of widgets and stuff. I think it's great that, you know, it'll actually be able to read stuff because like, for example, Apple CarPlay now in certain vehicles knows that you're in an EV and will actually, the maps will do a a route planning guide Mm -hmm. for you. Um, So that can only be better. And I think advantageous, especially in an electric vehicle. It's going to be interesting to see if Android follows suit and how quickly true yeah because Mm -hmm. people i mean we forget that there are two systems out there and they're very competitive okay um we're going to head back to greg right now and give us a little update on our long-term fleet uh which is getting smaller and smaller because of the pandemic and car supply yeah it's smaller but we still have a nice variety i think we we actually just added one which i'll get to um right now probably the most used vehicle is um it's it's a toss up between the Outlander and the Prius, I'd say. The we Prius, have a Prime, Prius that Prime. Is. Mm-hmm. So the Mitsubishi Outlander was new, um, which they they share a platform now with the uh, Nissan Rogue. So a lot of similarities. Um, if you're in a Nissan Rogue, which is a good thing because it uh, punches above its weight class when it comes to interior design and comfort. Yep. Um, it's it's a darn good looking vehicle inside and that's not necessarily how we all felt about our plug-in hybrid the 2019 right. version yeah, yeah but this is a totally different vehicle totally different yeah maybe it's just me and i don't want to dominate this but i really thought and do think it feels different than the rogue this is not a cookie cutter or badge engineered vehicle to me it still had that mitsubishi a little bit rough edge a little rugged edge. I felt like I was in, we used to call Mitsubishi SUVs mountain goats, and I still felt like this vehicle had that capability. I don't it's know if funny that you say that because I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be tuned to be softer than to, the It's than interesting the to me. I, I heard more. I thought it was, uh, I didn't do a back-to-back comparison, but I, I felt like I was in a different vehicle. I didn't, if you told me and I was a buyer, it was in a, a, a Nissan Rogue, I would have said, oh, really? So... Anyway, yeah, I mean, <laughs> regardless of how you feel about that aspect, um, I, I liked it. I, I liked it. I, I just, so. I just think it's a lot for its sub forty thousand yeah, dollars price tag. Because um, mm. ours like, is loaded. Yeah, it's not the not the most powerful thing, not the most agile thing, uh, but what you get for the money, I think. Uh, more people should probably include it in their compact SUV mm-hmm. shopping list. And my final thing is that we're getting nearly 30 miles per gallon, and that's combined. Uh, yeah. Just, just our, yeah. our daily driving. square. It looks like, you know, it chops through the wind. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked. I, I took it on a 1,200-mile trip, and I got right at about 30, and I was, like, flabbergasted that it did so well on regular gas, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think it has, like, it has adequate power i don't yeah. want to even say it. maybe even a little bit more than adequate and i everybody you know it's is CVT, like it's got a right? cvt, yeah, CVT. Yeah. but the cvt in it is actually really good mm-hmm. um you don't feel like it's like 
chugging along. Like, if you need to get a bit of power, you can get the power that you the need. The God's honest truth is most people who buy this car are not going to realize it has a CVT. True. Yes. I mean, that's yes. just like I what agree. it is. I mean, we, you hear so many people complaining about them. Mm-hmm. I've complained about them. But the vast majority of people who are just driving this thing on a daily basis will not care or even yeah. know. Yeah. I agree. I mean, and that's, the, I, and that's the best praise you can mm-hmm, give it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the, uh, the fuel economy point, um, we'll move over to the Prius Prime, which is a plug-in hybrid, getting toward the end of its life cycle. So we'll get a new one here probably in the next um, year. Probably a year or two. Year, yeah. I think. Next model year probably. Um, and yeah, so we plug this one in. You get a full charge. And I've been trickle charging it at my house overnight, easily getting a Easy. full charge, yep. which gets me about 20 miles. That's a good chunk of my commute mm-hmm. on the highway. Um, so our total average is 58.3. That's all things. That's engine. That's plugging in. Mm-hmm. Um, but our last update over just between, um, I don't know, maybe a month or so, we were up well over 60. And that's, yeah. again, Probably because of how much we were plugging in. Yeah, and, yeah. We, it, it had been here and, and we've been, you know, people have been taking it overnight. And yeah. Stuff and and it, it's, um, in a lot. you forget. So this was Toyota's first car on the TNGA platform. It's their global um the platform for most of their vehicles, and it's actually surprisingly agile. I'm sure people are laughing at me, but <laughs> oh, I've actually no, driven I this like thing with lot. some Com- extreme spirit, <laughs> yeah, uh, because I like doing that. And uh, it's, it's a huge improvement over the previous generation uh, Prius. Total. It's a nice driving yeah. vehicle. It could be. It, it, they even made the seats pretty decent. Yeah, we'll love the updates when it comes to that screen because uh, we're noticing a lot of glare mm-hmm. pretty much in every mm-hmm. situation, which is kind of a bummer. Um, and it'll get like. Like probably the new updated yeah, their new, uh, Toyota their new infotainment is great. Is good. Yeah, this one is is clearly um, behind the times. Yeah. Uh, but as a vehicle, and again, the fuel economy in these times is um, oh yeah is nice. Uh, which then leads me over to our Passat. This is the last Passat that we'll have. Um, you know, who know who knows if it'll come back. Uh, car makers like to bring back names these days. But mm-hmm. another fuel like fuel sipper, thirty two mpg combined. Um, and that's, I mean, we're talking about just like a, a sedan that's it's like chugged along for like a mid size <laughs> sedan. Yeah. yeah, it's a mid size, but it huge, feels like a full size. Huge yeah. amount of room, especially in the rear seat. Volkswagen's thing is, I've said this a million times, is they they put a car in a segment and just make it bigger than all the right. other cars in the segment. <laughs> yeah. And they've done that here. And there's, you know, again, speaking to the Prius. It lags behind others in terms of uh, comfort and convenience, not conf- comfort, uh, convenience. Um, it mm-hmm. just doesn't have all the updated tech. But as a daily driver, uh, I throw my kids in the back in car seats. Yeah. I mean, I can't complain. I think it's better than subcompact SUVs. Uh, it's easier to access that back seat. And there are, and even though production has stopped from from the Chattanooga plant, they still have some on the lots. And I think it's one of the steals of the year myself. I mean, I think it's all the car most people need. Yeah. Like, it's Buy incredibly it. simple. Um, and it's, it's, I would say, fun to drive. Like, yeah, it's I, got I, that Volkswagen sort of, vibe yeah, to the driving. Yeah, it's got the Volkswagen vibe to drive. Like, it's, it's a great around town driver. It's got plenty of pep. You don't feel mm. like it's lagging behind. Um, I think... Uh, its design language is going to also just age pretty well. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think you go wrong with the Passat. I got a question for Stephanie. If you were in the car market today, would you automatically go buy an SUV, or would you look still look at a sedan? 
Well, I am in the car market oh, right that's now. That's what you are, because and your last car was <laughs> yes. a sedan. Um, my last car was a sedan, and I want a compact crossover. Do you? Yeah. Just for the extra utility. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it fits my my lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah. Are you looking for all wheel drive? Uh, it's not a not a must for gotcha, me. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. As long as just front wheel drive. Because I say that seems to be like. Uh, a must for a lot of people. It well, does. I think it is. It must does. I understand. But I'm, I, I can go either way. For right. me, I want something more affordable, mm-hmm. and I would sacrifice that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. years ago, uh, Subaru actually did a study, and it showed uh, definitively that if you have a g- good tires on a front-wheel drive vehicle, it's about 80% as capable mm-hmm. as an all-wheel drive vehicle. Yeah. I in most, it. you know, most driving situations. Before yeah. we oh, yeah. move oh, on, we've got one my more. favorite, one, my favorite one. edition. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just got it in two, just days, two fresh days ago. Off and it took a boat. while. We were waiting a long time mm-hmm. because of um, production slowdowns. The Kia Carnival. The minivan. Yeah. Well, I'm oh, sorry, the multi-purpose, the multi-purpose vehicle. vehicle. <laughs> yeah, man. We uh, got in a great color too. I've mentioned Burgundy. my little meatballs like three times now, <laughs> and uh, to be able to throw them in a minivan, I finally converted my wife over to the van life. We don't own one. Uh, I hope to change that at some point in the future. Uh, but yeah, super excited about that. We did get one. Well, we probably got a higher trim level than we expected to. Yeah. This is um, the top yes. model, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. the SX Prestige, yeah. uh, which gets the VIP lounge second row mm-hmm. seats, which are like think, that's think exactly first, what they sound think, like. Uh, economy Plus or, or business. Yeah, page. man, they they yeah. move every which way. They recline. They do anything you want them to do except go into the floor or come out of the vehicle, yeah. which is kind of kind of a bummer. Practicality um, part. If of you it, want yeah. to have that. Um, versatility uh just don't go with the prestige but i have to say having said that and i basically mm-hmm. like floor length it's a still a very long floor mm-hmm. i mean you, you you give up some utility like you certainly can't put a four by eight sheet of plywood in there but it's still pretty darn long so yeah and, and you know you and low and that's low. the point and low, i'm low. sick of lugging and throwing yeah. stuff up into it and i'm tall i can get things up into a high vehicle and i just enjoy dropping them down into a yes, minivan i loathe a high low a uh, high load floor because like it comes up to like almost my chest area You're vertically sometimes. challenged I'm, yeah i'm five foot tall my mom has a lexus gx which has oh the highest oh load my, floor yeah. and she's only five two and i'm like what are you doing? <laughs> but but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to drive. Yeah. It's also I've driven it. I think I've driven it the most out of anybody. I've driven it about five miles. I put five miles on the odometer, and so far, like adequate power, really smooth. Um, we don't know about the fuel economy. Quite well, yet, we, on our test of it, we got 22, which is which is okay. Yeah, eh. I mean, uh, you know, I that means it'll probably it's do v- about 25. It's, just, it's their V6. Yeah. They've used V6. Forever, so. It'll do about 25, 26 on the highway, that, and that's about almost what they do. I'm assuming that's the same V6 in like the Palace. The Palace I would expect it's the same 3.3 liter. It's the same V6. Yeah. I spent a couple of days riding around or being driven around in um, in one. Where was I? Carnival in uh, Peoria, Illinois. I was out there at the local public television station. Uh, Very nice people. But they had one as a new uh, company vehicle. And it had the regular seats. It wasn't the high-end trim. Mm -hmm. Very comfortable. Very easy to get in and out of. Uh, They absolutely loved it. And it was also nice to get in one that doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Because it still was incredibly well-equipped. 
uh, and very, very quiet. And uh, the, I'm, I must say, yeah. I know and they're ours they is love fully it. equipped yeah. at forty seven eight. Which is that what is, it is? Like which yeah. is really a bargain. And it's if, it starts so. at thirty around thirty five. Yeah. yeah. Which. And then we're talking second row screens again, yeah. the VIP yeah, lounge, really the digital is, gauge really cluster, all for under fifty grand. Yeah. No all wheel drive though. This. Uh, the Carnival does not offer all-wheel drive. Front Which the take-on yep. all-wheel drive minivans is very small. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, sir, very much. Before we wrap things up, has anybody got a rant or a rave? Whoops, we missed whoops, Lisa. Whoops. Don't miss our viewer I'm sorry, question, Lisa, John. our viewer question. We've all been primed for this because this is a thorn in our sides. <laughs> we have a viewer question from Lisa, and it's short but sweet. Forgive me, Lisa. How can we avoid markups... At dealerships, both new and used cars. I think I want to hear what everybody has to say about this one. Well, I mean, there is a thing yes, you can do where you just build a car instead of buying one. Yeah, off the lot. but that that doesn't necessarily protect you. True, Be true. Patient, yeah, now, we're, what, we're, what are we talking about? We're talking about the so-called right now if you want to buy a new car let's say you're going to pay sticker price because everything's in short Mm -hmm. supply there is no real dealing and what a lot of dealers have done is add money on top of that they call them packs they call them economic adjustments whatever you want to call them it's money above the msrp and i'm not necessarily talking about buying something extra like a warranty or even mm-hmm. a coating or anything mm-hmm. else. This is just flat out extra it's money. It's the sheer fact that the cars are hard to come by right. and that they can Supply charge more demand. money and people are paying and And they are, price. and it drives me crazy, and I hate it, and I really encourage dealers not to do it because it's going to bite you on the back end. And customers, I have to warn you that when you are, if you do that, that does not add to the value of your vehicle when it becomes used. Mm-hmm. So you are going to be underwater, owing more on the vehicle than it's worth, longer than you would be without it. And that's going to affect you when you go trade this vehicle in. Having said that, can you avoid it? Or at least how can you know more about it? Well, there is a very recent um resource that just sort of popped up because of this it's called there's a website called markups.org and um, it's a phenomenal resource to be able to search the different markups that dealerships have are putting on certain model vehicles more information for the buyer yeah so essentially like for example me i was looking at it kind of recently because i really want to order a ford maverick in august and um so i knew that I had heard that some dealers were even marking up custom orders that oh, yeah. would get delivered. Oh, yeah. And even though you agreed on a price, but you didn't really agree on a price because there's no sales purchase until you actually go in and finance the car. So, um, and people were seeing like dealerships say you pay $5,000 or we're, ju- we're just not going to give you the car. Right. Um, and then you got to like talk to Ford and, you know, have Ford fix it and da 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 da. So I said, I'm going to try to avoid that. I'm able to search on markups.org for dealerships in Maryland, um, and you're able to search if they've given markups or if they have not given markups. So it turns out a local dealership uh, or a dealership that's local to like where I grew up uh, is not marking up any orders, uh, any custom build orders. Now they might be marking up 
a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see they did have like one markup and it was like $2,500 on like a sprinter van. Mm-hmm. But to me, actually, I'm like, that doesn't actually seem like that high of a markup. But then you can see other people who were marking up $35,000 on a new F-150 Raptor. I know dealers that are getting six and 7000 on just routine vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Extra. So basically, it's a great resource to see what dealerships near you are selling their cars for. Anything to add, Greg? Uh, I, mean, or I was just going to say the basic stuff um, that even in these t- when you're not in these times of high markups, just be willing to travel. You know, when mm-hmm. you're searching online, um, expand that search to 100 miles, 200 miles, and just know that you're going to have to be a little bit patient because, uh, yeah, a lot of dealers are uh, putting markups on cars, but there are dealers, plenty of dealers who aren't, and mm-hmm. you just kind of have to find them and just be patient with it. Stephanie, you need to add? I mean, you, I you just, just said you were in the market for a car. Yeah, I would just say wait it out as long as you can. Excellent. Um, that's what I'm doing. Um, but it's been a long road, a very yeah. long road. I can't believe I'm still waiting. Yeah, and we don't know how much longer we're all going to mm-hmm. have to wait, but it could be well into next year. And that's what they said last year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that was our rant, pretty much. But does anyone have a rant or a rave they'd like to add before we wrap things up? Thank you, Lisa, by the way, for a great question. Or a rave. Could be a rave. Uh, As we speak uh, on this podcast, and we're in late June, uh, I have noticed some cracking of gas prices. Yes, a little bit, yeah. Let's hope that that continues. Oil has dropped down uh, almost... Uh, not quite 20% from where it was. And uh, this morning I noticed that my neighborhood station had overnight dropped the price 15 cents, which shocked me. What, so what is it at? It was at 275 No. I mean, $475. I wish it was 275 Tell me where that is. Uh, in, uh, yeah, let's go yeah, fuel them there. 475 and it was 499 yesterday. Wow. So I've been seeing like 485 Yeah. But four seventy-five, that's good. Yeah. Well, the, uh, they are apparently suspending the federal gas tax. Well, that ha- yeah, as months, we but that speak, has not that gone that into hasn't gone through yet, but they probably will. And, and that uh, is eighteen cents for three months. Interesting, though, the uh, the Biden administration has turned to the states and said, "Why don't you get on board with this too?" And that's very interesting. Huh. See if well, Maryland did it for did. what thirty days mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Was it even thirty days? It was. 30 it was. Days. Yeah, it was Virgi- Virginia's yeah, had that's trouble our home doing state. it. They can't get it through Virginia. Although I think they wanted a three month, uh, really but they're having a lot of trouble getting that through. I you mean, know. it's a lot of revenue. At, I mean, our gas tax is, I believe, thirty six cents a gallon. And it's going yeah, but up. The thing with Maryland, I mean, not to get too into it, we had a surplus, which is insane. Right. And, and most they, states and do. And still only stuck to the thirty day thing, which yeah. I think is just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Like we have the money, like yeah. maybe we should spend it. Write your write your uh, local anymore. congressman on your yeah. state level and your national level. And tell them to oh, get on elections board. With are us. Elections up, so. are coming up. Yeah, yeah. I got mine. Yeah. I got to start doing my research <laughs> on how to vote. <laughs> Thank you, Greg Carlos, our over the edge reporter. Thank you, FYI reporter Stephanie Hart for joining us. Digital producer Jessica Ray. Thanks also to our audio engineer Jillian Cookman, our podcast producer Jessica as well, and podcast creator Bob Mixer. Hey, everybody out there! If you've listened to our podcast and you're new to Motor Week and you want to catch the full Motor Week television series, hop on over to our website at motorweek.org. 
pull down at the top the tab that says about the show. You can put in your zip code and find the local public television station in your area, times and dates when it's showing. But John, what if we're not on their local public television station? Well, then you go on over to our cable partner at MavTV.com and pull down their schedule. Or you get really adventuresome and go over to YouTube.com slash MotorWeek, our MotorWeek store on YouTube. Almost everything we've done for the last five years plus is on there. I, since about 2009, <laughs> yeah, John. Well, so we're looking at okay. 10 years. Yeah. 12 years. Can, you, 12 can years. people request a uh, transcript of the show and just read it via snail mail? <laughs> Can on we do our that? website, I think you can. Everything. Yeah. I'll actually, even sign it. I'm not sure we actually, can do. We don't do printed transcripts anymore. We, do, do we? We do not. No. I will say though, we used if, to still if, have to do them for the if network. If you had a show in mind, like an older show or something, and you know, send me an email. I'll see what I can oh, do. Oh, they, gotta, they exist. I actually I have. I actually want, have filing cabinets. I know. Uh, full of old they, transcripts. My my office was was <laughs> had a Your couple office of those was filing the cabinet. filing cabinet. <laughs> Uh, you can also stream us for free at pbs.org slash motorweek for all, the the, all, the, all the most recent episodes. Jessica. Or on the PBS video app. That's a handy thing to download because it's not just motorweek. You have pretty much everything that uh, PBS, PBS streams for free. If you have a screen, you can watch motorweek. And with that, thanks everyone for being a part of motorweek. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.